father. I hold the world in my grasp. And yet this girl distracts me. It has been an eternity since I felt such desire. What am I to do? She fascinates you because her soul is pure. To make her one of us, charm her, move her, change her spirit, hypnotize her, set her free. Welcome to Film Club. My name is Megan Anderson. Sitting next to me is my co-host George Arben. And joining us from Tasmania is our co-host Isabel Gander. Hello. With special guest and Isabel's boyfriend Jake Root. Hi. I would like to take a quick moment to acknowledge that we are recording on Aboriginal land. And today we are discussing Ridley Scott's 1985 cult classic fantasy film, Legend. Legend stars Mia Sarah as Princess Lily and Tom Cruise as a waifish forest boy named Jack who must stop the forces of darkness, played by Tim Curry, from transforming their idyllic fantasy realm into an eternal night. Legend is sometimes forgotten amongst Scott's other heavy hitters of the period, such as Alien and Blade Runner, but has over the years become a cult favorite due to its unique visuals and stunning cinematography. Jake chose this film to discuss today. Jake, when did you first watch Legend? And thank you for bringing it to our attention. Uh, I don't know. Did I bring it to your attention? I feel like that was your, anyway. Um, <laughs> I remember when I watched it, but I reckon I would have been really hungover watching like, um, Netflix or some other streaming service bullshit and like just clicked onto it because it's very like calming but it's also enough points you can make fun of if you had a particularly bad hangover like Tom Cruise sort of hanging around with his nuts almost out of his uh, jerk <laughs> in the entire time and like the odd odd unsettling nature of all the creatures it's kind of like yeah and you're a big Jim Henson fan. Yeah, yeah. Well. Like, was that like a drawing? As, sort as of. Well? I just like, like fantasy adventure stuff. But it's sort of like, it's like a disturbing labyrinth. Like all the creatures are disgusting. Mm. Like Tim Curry's the least unsettling <laughs> part of like the, the misots in there. Whatever that um, brown Tom, like the sort of Irish stereotype goblin with the bottle under his hat, like that thing is yeah. awful. <laughs> and like all the little creatures in the forest all gathered around like it's like that's the nightmare bit of it so that's mm. cool yeah. and you 
I still don't quite get the point of those creatures. Yeah, I don't get the point of them. Or like, the, they're just kind the of ling- lingering around. Yeah. And you kind of don't know. Like, they're not properly introduced. Like, a lot of the, like a lot of the world, yeah. like, isn't set up particularly well. So you're just kind of thrown in. Yeah. And like you're along for the ride, but you're just kind of like, what? Oh yeah, I forgot that you when you mentioned <laughs> that they were trying to make the world eternally dark. I'd forgotten that entirely. Mm, yes, the, the the plot is really kind of un, unclear. But like, I guess now's a good time to talk about what what versions we watch because mm. I think um, like typical Ridley Scott, there's like five different versions you can find. And originally it was recorded with the Jerry Goldsmith score and it was quite a much longer film. And then after test audiences didn't like it, he cut it down heaps and put a Tangerine Dream score over it. So which versions did you guys watch? We watched, the first cut we watched was the director's cut with the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack. Mm. Um, and then we were very excited and curious to watch the theatrical release. I think the US theatrical release with the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Mm. But I must say that for me, it was a completely different viewing experience. I didn't enjoy the theatrical release that much. Um, I didn't, I preferred the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack as well. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm not like a, blu-ray whore but i must say that with this fantasy aspect like this and this kind of visual heavy film the blu-ray version made such a difference like it was so immersive so beautiful like watching the first the director's cut like i just felt transported to this magical universe I yeah sorry I thought Isabel that you that Jake wanted to talk about this movie but did you did you stumble across this film yourself or what was the no like um it, we were just me and Jake Jake introduced me like I'd never heard of Legend like um and I didn't know it was Ridley Scott I hadn't made that connection like I've seen <laughs> the film but I never thought like oh yeah the guy who made Alien obviously. This is like, Um, yeah, and you told me about it. We watched it, and I just, I don't know, I loved it. I really enjoyed the director's cut. I just found it so beautiful, so magical. And the plot made no sense to me, but it didn't take away from my experience, I guess. I just found like I couldn't believe the production design. I couldn't believe the images. Like they were so bombastic, opulent. Just I felt like, yeah, like this crazy, beautiful fairy tale that I felt so like watching it was so relaxing. Mm. Like some of the shots with the unicorns like galloping through this like cherry blossom storm with mm-hmm. princess lily like floating out like i just felt like i was floating on a cloud like i really and the scene one of my favorite scenes in the in the director's cut is and i f- found that it was i found that darren aronofsky must have been directly inspired by it where princess lily is dancing with the black entity 
Mm. And it almost really reminded me of the first scene of Black Swan. I just, I don't know, I love the costume design. I love, yeah, I really like, felt really um, um, drawn in. Um, but I didn't have that with the theatrical release. It was like um, the director's cut. The plot made way less sense in the director's cut, and it, but that added to the fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that more. I didn't feel yeah. like I needed to have it, like, all the nonsense hung off anything. I was happy to just be like, oh, yeah, cool, now they're at the magical pool and now they're <laughs> in hell and now there's, like, a witch. And so yeah. I, I like it. Whereas the, it seemed like the theatrical release, they wanted to appease to the three-act structure, but which kind of dulled it down. It kind of, like, got rid of, muted the, the kind of fun elements, like kind of it not making sense, like, yeah, added to it, mm. added to the experience. Mm. And it's kind of weird that the... Um... Because the director's cut's like a good 20 minutes or 30 minutes longer, but it, it somehow manages to make less sense with, with um, well, an extra time. I am. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we watched the three, theatrical version and, yeah, I wasn't... I, I was very impressed no, by visually. We watched the director's cut. Did we? Yes. <laughs> I thought the director's cut had the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. No. No. Oh. Apparently, he hated that soundtrack. They made mm. they forced him to do a Tangerine Dream, Brian Ferry, and the singer from Yes soundtrack. And he yeah. Hated yeah. It. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. But the soundtrack wasn't that great, though. That's the thing. Both the soundtracks pretty boring. Yeah. yeah, but it was crazy to think that that was the lineup. That sounds like an incredible creative lineup yeah. to to have that soundtrack added to like a fairy tale. Because mm. um, Tangerine and Dream, their soundtrack to like The Keep is really awesome. And they do another one. Fuck, I should have done my research on whatever that film's called about like running dynamite through the jungle. It's killer. Sorcerer. Like, sorry? Sorcerer. Yeah, that one's fucking killer. That's a banger yeah. yeah. But then, like, you would think Tangerine Dream in this film would be perfect because it mm. feels sort of, like, MDMA-y and, like, sparkly and, like, a bit druggish. So synths mm. would make sense, but it didn't really work. I don't know. I think mm. it was kind of a rushed... It was a rushed soundtrack. Like, they, they had to uh, pump it out afterwards. And also, I guess this film you think of as being hyper... kind of hyper-80s fantasy. Yeah. Which it is in the theatrical cut with this cheesy score, and that's often nice and nostalgic, and like films like Neverending Story. But for some reason, in this film, it's like the Jerry Goldsmith score maybe makes it a bit more, uh, gives it maybe more, uh, maybe it doesn't detract from it as much as the cheesy 80, 80s ness of the Tangerine Dream score. I mean, there's enough there in the visuals that's just so overwhelming with you know bubbles all over the screen and incredible set design that maybe you don't need some extra cheesy mm -hmm. synthetic score on top of that um mm. it's maybe just too much like an overdose of sugar or something mm. so yeah yeah i the kind one... of felt lobotomized by this film i was like <laughs> i just didn't follow it at all i didn't even read into any of the subtext i was just like ah oh, mia sarah's so beautiful <laughs> Tom yeah. Cruise, what a baby. Um, 
Yeah, that was fun. I didn't also didn't even realize that that was Tim Allen, who I love from Home Alone too. But um, yeah, really? Tim Allen is that his name? No, yeah. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry, yes. I know he was unrecognizable and he has such a recognizable face, but obviously it took eight hours for him to be in this. He still does the voice. He yeah. still gives it a bit of pepper with the Tim Curry mm. voice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he um, still manages to really, uh, you know, act overact and and give it this kind of you know campiness even amongst all that crazy makeup these horns that you know were massive and this intense prosthetics he still managed to kind of really move his face and yeah (laughs) oh like having a Satan who talks to his father through like a starfield fireplace like it's extremely over the top Mm. Mm. That's the kind of perfect thing for him to like orate at. Give it some yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one else could deliver those lines, maybe quite like it. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I also I really enjoyed seeing Mia Sarah because I loved her so much in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as Sloane and I've always wondered what else she was in and I never knew so it's cool to see her in a film another film um yeah I don't know I didn't yeah I didn't have too too many thoughts on this film not a very thoughtful film it just it's <laughs> more like a series of, of bits put together by two people on a coke bender like when you read the original treatment apparently it was like fucking huge and they were like, you can't do that. You can't put all that in. They wanted to have a scene where Mia Farrow as the princess is transforming into a beast and being whipped by Satan in some sort of semi-sexual scene. It's like, I don't think they're going to put that in, mate. Like, that's not going to fly in this vibe. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of, I feel like that's the incredible part of legend as well, that it seems like. He had like such a big vision and like the vision just got more and more squashed that you kind of end up with this plosh or fairy tale that you don't have much to grasp onto. Yeah. Kind of, I kind of makes it incredible as well. I feel like, Um, yeah, just those. Yeah. Yeah. I did actually love the scene where she, um, she throws the ring in the river and she's like mm. she's like so careless and free and silly and I thought that was quite funny like I felt her youthfulness and her I don't know making these big mistakes and stuff I thought was really cute yeah yeah the, f- the film is very like the plot is kind of non-existent in a way that maybe sometimes makes it hard to to care especially when the director's cut is that much longer um and i did watch kind of a recount on youtube of all the different versions and they were suggesting that maybe the ultimate version hasn't been made because it would be nice to have those incredible visuals of the like a, the element of the director's cut but then maybe shorten just a little bit because it, with nothing to grasp onto unless you're kind of in some altered state the film does drag um 
at certain points. I didn't points. find that. You didn't find maybe, that? Maybe you can step away from it as like treat it less as like a, a narrative vehicle and more as like it's it's like production design and how mm. sick you can make something. For sure. Like yeah. going all out. Like it's ornamentation. Yeah. But I, yeah. I found it hard with um, Jack mm. as... I mean, Tom Cruise as Jack. I, I like that he didn't have much of a character and he didn't speak much, but there was there really was nothing to his character except for like putting his hair in his face and jump like crouching a lot. <laughs> it was a very appropriate role for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Just being like high energy, fucking cracked out kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, which is funny for me because usually I am a bit like I'm a big plot girl and I, I like, like, meaning and purpose to movies. But with this film, I just felt like the visual indulgence really made me feel like I was floating on a cloud and I was very happy to be along for the ride. And I really enjoyed this film visually so much that the plot really, I don't know, didn't, like, bother me that much because I found the film, like, incredibly relaxing and yeah, it kind of put me in like a dreamlike state in a really like nice, nice way. Like I just, yeah, like I just loved it in terms of its production value, its costume design. Um, and some of the scenes I thought were really beautifully done. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed being in this kind of fairy tale like spiral. Mm. But definitely, like, it It reminded me in a way of Jim Henson, the storyteller, in that it was very intricate and, like, the sets are awesome and it's really layered. But Jim Henson's a storyteller. Everything is a moving part and it all makes it's a functional part of it and it has a really strong sense of narrative and carrying it forward, whereas this just seemed like, for the sake of it, like all the styrofoam snow and the freezing of the house and, like, the obscene little goblin men. Like, it's kind of like, I don't know. It feels like the way that video games portray plot, where plot is a series of objects you put next to each other. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah I, really, not- I really got that um, that vibe from this, um, the kind of video, its influence on fantasy video games like Zelda mm. and stuff, and that it is just this, like yeah vehicle for visual storytelling or visual expression which has been like really overtaken by by video games where you you know you go to the forest realm and you see all these crazy creatures and doesn't have to push the plot forward um but it was it was interesting to see that pre-cg and all these uh you know prosthetic creatures and i found the the most interesting thing was just the textural quality of having constantly something across the screen like whether it be like flowers floating across or bubbles floating across the screen (laughs) like just constant bubbles which um just made every every shot just dense with you know reflecting bright lights and and i think that's also something that video games do a lot in a a way to show off their technical prowess it's like how many bubbles can we fit on the screen at once and this film's like how many bubbles can we put in Have a like that uh, that lack of lack of mesh and texture in video games filters are a massive thing. Yeah, yeah. So something I thought of watching it the, the first time. A lot of the design in this, there's a video game called Dark Souls, which is a Japanese video game, yeah. which I feel 
lifted a lot of their their like hellish design stuff from this film. Yes, and they treat landscapes as being like really oversaturated and overexpressed areas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah definitely. This film was in yeah. a lot of films I've seen. But I feel like it's definitely mm. like I can look at it and be like, oh, that reminds me heaps of. A video game, like yeah. probably because it didn't do very well. People were like, "Let's yeah. not do that again." Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they get picked up in, as you said, in maybe other forms, like like video games or, or or comics or something. But I did like that, like the expression of of like the clear expression of different you know levels in a video game or in this like different scene, like different um, landscapes was was pretty incredible. Like the hellscape was. It's awesome. So yeah, so expressive, and it was almost with like the guys are so bloody and wet and like yeah, <laughs> and it verged on being almost like a fantasy horror film. Mm. Um, <clears throat> those scenes, like this kind of you know coming from alien, this like intensely uh, visceral, scary, huge creature in this dark landscape was like it, such a cool representation of hell. And you know, it reminded me a lot of Grimes's recent album and the concept <laughs> art around that, and sort of the themes and the mood, and also maybe just some yeah. some other like very contemporary aesthetics, you know, that are floating around with the just the foresty stuff and the sparkles and the elves and the pastel and mm. yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like it was kind of ahead of its time. Well, cynically, I guess it's it's a way for people to mine stuff that's not like if you copy Star Wars, everyone's going to know, but it's like let's go mine something a bit more obscure and, and we'll get away with it, mm. you know. Mm. But, and maybe maybe it's coming back around here because I know what you mean Yeah. because it's like a lot of the people who are in creative controllership now are probably like around our age and watched VHS tapes at their grandparents' house of legend or some other like fucking willow or some bullshit yeah yeah Yeah. well this is what what even the experience of watching this film and there's a few films like this is even if you didn't watch it as younger it gives you that experience of having that memory of some weird vhs tape you kind of watched when you were young and you can't remember all the plot details but when you actually watch it that's the experience you get from this it's almost like did i fall asleep because well what's yeah. happened? <laughs> it's kind yeah, of this the, fuzzy the, feeling cut off the beginning of the scenes yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the vhs there's no title sequence there's part of a carpet cleaning ad yeah, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> some ads put in there yeah yeah kind of yeah. what i like about film is like uh, kind of Ridley Scott's enthusiasm around it as well and it kind of falling flat like kind of having like and then there's this and then there's that and then like wanting to do like this epic fairy tale and having this grand vision and then I guess like we can all relate to that in a sense where maybe you've had too much wine or you've had too much coffee and you feel like your brain is racing with all these ideas and you think they're the best ideas you've ever had in the world. And I kind of felt like this film was a little bit like that, like how it seemed like he had so much confidence in creating this epic fairy tale, but he wasn't like no one was quality checking the plot or like really like he was just on this massive high and then obviously there wasn't the budget to support how he wanted to execute this epic fairy tale that it just 
like got a bit numbed and just like all the moving parts weren't cohesive but mm-hmm. you kind of got to love someone that has this like epic vision yeah. that falls flat yes yeah. and, and I do think there was a few I don't know if there were key shots but they the, the were still filming when the studio burnt down <laughs> yeah the the whole but they filmed it in the Bond studio and then supposedly there the, was pigeons up in the roof and then I don't know how it happened but they knocked something over and the whole studio burnt down. Well, I guess those were like forty foot styrofoam trees. <laughs> yeah, so that was just like the <laughs> perfect <laughs> flame environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually reminded me a bit of Little Nicky and the hellscape in Little Nicky, the mm. Adam Sandler film. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> those goblins were just as ugly and yeah. just as effective. Tough house chicken is the shit, isn't it? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It's cool, actually, that Legend still is a very watchable film. Like, even though it's not, like as you were saying, is all the moving parts don't always work together. But at least, like, there's some there's some ambitious films out there that are quite unwatchable. I feel, whereas this is still like comes together, which is. Well, I think nice. the scale thing was good. You mentioned the goblets and the woman who plays the little the chief goblet. She's really good the way she prances around. Yeah, yeah. Blicks, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like, because I, I think Mickey Rooney was going to play one of the forest creatures and he was like too <laughs> big next to Tom Cruise, all this bizarre shit like that. But she's like obviously small, so they could do really great makeup on her. And yeah. she's like fucking like working with them, like going nuts, like you're a goblin. Go yeah, for yeah. Mode, like. <laughs> rhyming and like uh, stopping the clock with a wand and stuff it's i love the rhyming yeah that, that was cool yeah and it's, and it's easy to compare in the 80s all these fantasy fantasy films like willow and never-ending story but it also just reminded me of that those films that directors make when they've had a few hits and then they can kind of do anything like mm-hmm. um, so it reminded totally. me a bit of cape fear by scorsese and bram stoker's dracula by um, what's his name? Coppola. The Coppola. In that it's just so visually dense, crazy. You watch that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's wow. So that's so visually beautiful. That one. Wow. Mm. And that, that's the only point. Maybe I think I don't know if it would have changed it, but with those films, they're hanging these visual, uh, like experiments on some some established story whereas this they're, they're creating the, their own story which maybe has its benefits but maybe if it was a familiar story like a beauty and the beast or you know um you know alice in wonderland or something you could you already kind of know the plot points so they could you can, can just go crazy with the uh, an experimental with the visuals and not have yeah. the plot well i guess it reminded like have you seen a company of wolves no no it's like, I think it's French, mm. uh, but it's like a similar thing with like anima- cool animatronics and stuff, but it's like a little bit more like sexy and European. And it yeah. feels like gender's a bit censored. Like there yeah. was many hits out or something, but they were like, ah, oh, it's the American market. We can't do that. Mm. It felt like one of those French, like kind of sleazy adult fairy tale movies where they For just sure. like go full bore in every direction. In the, yeah. in the way that um, couple is fucking... Uh, Dracula does where it goes like 
every direction like she's fucking a werewolf there's rivers of blood all that shit like, <laughs> yes yes and yeah i feel that i feel that he, like he wanted to make this adult um fairy tale that yeah did, did feel maybe a little flaccid or, or censored yeah, I it think been, so. It would have been cool yeah, if you got to see Tim Curry's cock. That would have been good. Yeah, I would have been sick if Satan the Devil's cock. animatronic cock. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you did get a sense the film wanted like to go there. Awesome. Yeah. So they could have some dick and balls, like hellish <laughs> dick and balls. Did you For find sure. him sexy, Isabel? It wasn't a thought that went through my head actively. <laughs> Did, did you? No, no. There's lots of people on the internet who are really into it. I'm sure it started a lot of kinks. Like, mm. it started a lot of people's. I just don't believe that Tim Curry in any sense is menacing a teenage girl. You know, like, maybe if he'd been menacing Tom Cruise, I would have, like, bought it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But Tim Curry is Satan. He's, like, desperately after a teenage girl, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh... Mm. Yeah, I really, I this seeing this films made me love Ridley Scott even more. I think he's a really interesting guy, and I feel like he's not very precious with the films that he makes. Like he's not like super serious about it. I feel mm. like he has a lot of fun with the films that he chooses, and yeah, this because like I feel like Blade Runner and Alien are so spectacular, and this is you know this is a bit like fairy pansy vibes <laughs> and that just I just think it's cool that he went with that and I really love that he um that he loves Muriel's wedding so much yes does he well he's right it's great yeah but he just did Blade Runner right before this film hey mm, so yeah. it was on a kind of high yeah he'd be knocking out hit after hit like people fucking love Blade Runner yeah and I feel like that's I love that as well that when directors get humbled because obviously when you have a few hits you're like every idea I have is genius and then they just like go like well I want to do this epic fairy tale and then it's like no not every idea you have is great some of it's just, are just mind farts <laughs> like they don't they Did have no one. He made Avatar eventually didn't he that's him no, that's James Cameron oh I always get those two mixed up because they're both submarine guys yeah, <laughs> but do you think they were also trying to make a big statement about light and dark? No. Yeah, I reckon that he met the the novelist guy William Hornchborg, whatever, mm. who was like some American horror novelist, and they made friends. And they stayed up doing coke, and had this awesome mm. idea, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be so sick!" And they rolled up yeah. with like four hundred pages of like a princess <laughs> being raped by a beast, and they were like, "It's going to be just like Disney." And these sparkles and stuff, and then she gets fucked, and they were like, "Whoa, guys, tone it down." Love the sex idea, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, I probably would have enjoyed that better. Yeah, yeah, that would have rocked, but you know, it was a holiday idea for sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I do like. I like that he is so good with production design and sets because like mm. Blade Runner's amazing. This was yes. amazing. Alien's amazing. Like mm. the sense of scale and the scope of it is you can make fun of how bad the story is, how badly structured it is, but like it looks incredible. Like the mm. fake screens with this massive like fantasy forest, like mm. and combining yeah. like the the American National Park look with like English forest and lots of layered flowers. The scene where they're like he's speaking to the 
um, Tom Cruise is talking to the princess. He's holding a fox on his lap and there's a rabbit in the foreground and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the shit I loved about this yeah. film. Like, I just felt like I sank into it and just, yeah, I just wanted to, like, bathe in it. It was just so magical and delicious. Um, yeah. I love the scenes where the unicorns are like rushing up on the top of the hill. Like, oh, so beautiful. Mm. Like it looks so, yeah, it was so impressive. Yeah, the the cinematographer actually, he we just watched another film that he did, Cliffhanger, which is so oh. visually amazing. It's so oh, worth watching. Alone cliffhanger. Um, pardon? That's the best it's alone cliffhanger yes yeah that film fucking rocks it rocks it's so good it's like yeah yeah alex thompson that's his name so he shot legend and cliffhanger and yeah amazing amazing shots yeah wow i think like especially like watching so much content and tv and everything like you, you can forget how special cinematography can be Definitely, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, like TV, like even Game of Thrones shit doesn't have a lot of weight. A film has a lot of weight because they're doing it once. They're not going to reuse a shot or like CGI dragon or whatever. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get these horses dressed as unicorns and run them down a stream bed. But they do it like with proper, the, the proper level of artifice and care that makes it seem like really impressive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hmm. Ah. What it, what is everyone's like star ratings or um I'm giving it four. I really enjoyed it for its visual aspects. I really enjoyed Mia's performance or she played Princess Lily. I like I absolutely love the scene where she becomes a gothic princess and she's dancing with a black entity. I just felt yeah, that scene I found it incredible. So yeah, four stars for me. Oh, out of five? Really? Yes. Yeah, I'd probably give it a four. I reckon it's like it's awesome. It's like it's it's cool seeing older films where things are still humorous and it's lifted away from the weight of having to be political or thoughtful or anything else. Mm. It can just be like a huge waste of time as films should be. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I think I'd give it four and a half stars. Just think for for what it does, that in, when you're in a certain mood or, or a certain state, that this film is kind of a very top tier example of just a you know visual, experiential uh, film. Uh, I probably would like, and they're films that I just like to watch anyway, but I think just like half a star off for the fact that the plot, like it's hard to engage with at all. And it's just nonsense. Uh, and it's quite long. So then the two things. And just one more thing, I guess, is just the, the special effect makeup with mm. my Rob Botton, who did The Thing. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh, is that yeah. the same guy? No wonder it's so fucking sick. Yeah. yeah. And it's just almost worth just four and a half stars just for seeing his work, you know, just seeing his, mm-hmm. his yeah. aesthetics on screen. It's just incredible. True. The yeah. Tim Curry fight scene at the end where he's running in that suit, it's like there's not a lot else 
like that for like how visually impressive it is yeah exactly and that's kind of like you can not necessarily forgive it but it's just like you can just turn to this film you know for if you want sick prosthetics or (laughs) if you're in the mood for that so yeah I think I'm giving it three and a half but I feel like if I if I watch the Tangerine Dream version in its entirety I'd probably give it four um just because yeah I didn't yeah, I didn't really get as, like, dreamy with it as I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fantasy girl. Yeah. Mm. I usually am not either, but I really got into this. Mm. Yeah, I'm really happy to have seen it. They may as well be aliens, considering how inhuman their motivations and actions are. <laughs> yeah. Will be set on an alien planet. Like, yeah. it doesn't... In the way that fantasy and, and mythos and fairy tales are meant to relate to our inner world and the way we view the world and our emotions, it doesn't have any of that. It no. feels like aliens made this. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's like pretty special. They were on Mars or something, there were spaceships, you'd be like, yeah, why not? Yeah, check it out. <laughs> it's funny to relate more to the goblin character than to to the main protagonist oh yeah they were sickening they're both freaks at least the goblin has like some sort of uh sense of being like a real object yeah (laughs) motivated by something yeah (laughs) totally cool well yeah the next episode i think will be the tale of two sisters we've had to change things up a bit because of the lockdown but that episode is still coming. Thanks so much for joining us, Jake. No worries. I can ramble on. Yeah. No, it's great. I love I it. I hope that you join us again. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Thank I'll you. Stop. Bye. And what's interesting here, you see this thing here, which should have been CGI which doesn't exist. You know what that would cost today? About $200,000. You know what it cost me? It cost me a fishing light with a bit of fine hairline and a, and a little light bulb. Hello?